you can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... Clive Ashenden. Yes, not <laughs> Keith Isles. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, Keith couldn't make it tonight uh, due to work commitments, so he's uh, bowed out of this one, and uh, Clive has stepped into his place. So uh, thank you, Clive, for stepping in. Uh, no, well, always happy to come on, on the podcast, uh, you know, having a good time. So, yeah, be good. This is slightly different to uh, to the last one that I appeared on, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk talk about all these films. So yes, the uh, the director we're talking about tonight is Ivan Reitman. Yes, <laughs> Ivan Reitman, OC, uh, holder of the Order of Canada. Ah, there you go. Ah, uh, yes, it, yes, the uh, the. Long time, sort of, well, yeah, the veteran producer director of a number of number of largely comedies. I think it's fair to say. Well, he he is a bit like Mel Brooks in a way that um, um, I didn't realise for a long time that Mel Brooks had been the producer of The Elephant Man, and it wasn't until recently that I found out that Ivan Reitman was a producer on the sort of early David Cronenberg work. That's true, but that's kind of it, it is Canadian. Uh, period as it were it, you know i mean he he starts off and he he's you know the second film he directs is is cannibal girls which is uh obviously which is yeah there are there are uh, humorous elements but it's essentially it's a horror movie so so yeah no you're right uh, he, he has produced a lot of well a fair amount of non-comedic stuff but as a director he's which is kind of what we're talking about here isn't it is yeah. uh, uh you know he's largely done the comedies I, I, I heard an interview with him recently and um, he was talking about um, sort of when he came from Canada to America and his goal was always to sort of be a director and he he sort of he worked with all the guys from uh, National Lampoons on their TV series and stuff and so he was sort of the main guy behind uh, National Lampoons Animal House. Yeah, he co-produced that with Matty Simmons, who's like the sort of national lampoon guy who goes on to, you know, be one of the lead producer and all the sort of vacation movies and things like that. But uh, yeah, that's definitely his, his big break. Hmm. Well, the thing was, he um, he very much wanted to direct it, but um, uh, the powers that be um, said no, and they wanted somebody else. So they got John Landis in. 
And he was saying that, um, you know, it was a massive hit at the time. You know, the preview screening they had, it was like gangbusters. And he said everybody on that, you know, went off to do, you know, they all got contracts, they all got deals apart from him because he was just the producer and, you know, was treated rather badly. So he quickly put all his money together and went out and made meatballs because he knew that Animal House was going to be big and he also knew that they'll probably want another one. Yeah, and also, uh, I, th- I think I'm right in saying that, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd seen, you know, Bill Murray's work on, on TV and uh, and knew, you know, this guy is a star. So you got to give him, give him props for that. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he talks about being in the room with all those guys, including Bill Murray. And... Um, he was saying how uh, at one point he made a suggestion about blocking and Bill Murray came over here, over to him, gave him his coat and he said, leave this to the professionals. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly that uh, relationship between him and Bill Murray that sort of, you know, uh, propelled his career that, at the beginning. I think if it wasn't for Bill Murray in the in Meatballs, we very much wouldn't have had the other films we're sort of going to talk about tonight. Yeah, I I, I think that's true because again, it was, it's a big hit. Mm. I think also his relationship with Harold Ramis because uh, Harold Ramis, it, you know, was the co-writer on Meatballs, and also you know the was one of the writers on Animal House. So mm. you know they had that that relationship which carried on. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And also sort of make him an actor as well, because he seemed to be up to before Stripes just writing. Yes, that's right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, and uh, of course he's gone on and had quite a a big career uh, making comedies. But then also his son came along and continued, I guess, in his, you know, in his vein, sort of making uh, comedies, but a bit more sort of left field comedies. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to think of Jason Reitman as more of a drama director. You know, I, I know, you know, Juno and Up in the Air have their comedic elements, but yeah, hmm, uh, I, they seem quite separate to me. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that there is that fam- familial connection. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, as as we know, uh, Jason Reitman has made a couple of appearances in in his father's films, as well as um, his daughter. I believe her name's Christine Reitman. That's w- uh, yeah, one of his two daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, before we, I guess, before we move on and start talking about our picks, we should, uh, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, I, th- I think it's worth just sort of throwing out a few names of things that he's produced, mm. just because it's because so, it, some of it's quite eclectic and strange, and you're like. Oh, oh, he did that, did he? You know, he, he produced uh, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Yeah. Heavy Metal. <laughs> yeah. Space Jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and and, you know, and then, I mean, the only one that he's, he produced, uh, that his son is involved in uh, Up in the Air, which we aforementioned. And, uh, yeah, and then there's obviously... You know a lot more comedic stuff, but this, you know, old school, I guess, is is a kind of, uh, you know, modern day Animal House that he mm. did. Yeah, and and Road Trip as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's got quite a few producer credits. I mean, oh, producer on Hitchcock, which was um, Anthony Hopkins' version of Hitchcock that year. 
Yeah, the uh, yeah with Helen Mirren as well, isn't it? It's, uh, That's El- right, Elmer. Yeah. yeah, that was the the positive spin on Hitchcock, where the um, was oh, what was the BBC one about the making of the birds called? The is it the girl? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where that was that one was a kind of very sort of negative portrayal of Hitchcock. Yeah, and that's concentrating on on the sort of his relationship with sort of Tippy Hedren mm. and and the making of the birds. I think that's right. Where well, it was based on a book, so it, it was always going to be a little one sided. Oh, someone's let the dogs out. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> She'll shut up. Uh, every t- it's always the same. He, you, the moment someone mentions Tippy Hedren, starts barking. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Just not a fan, clearly. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, move on to our picks. So uh, for a change, I'm going to go first. Um, as I'm the, like only host standing today. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know it's it, it's your show, man. Well, yeah. how, however you want to roll. <laughs> uh, so my pick for movie heaven is Ghostbusters from uh, 1984, and um, I I remember seeing this at the cinema. I remember um, first time I saw this. Um, I I couldn't watch all of it. I watched some of it through my fingers because um, I found some of it quite scary, which is is surprising when you look back at it now and you look at, you know, its legacy because um, it's a film that, in some ways, it wasn't a children's film, but children attached themselves to it. It's like RoboCop. Yeah, well, it was R-rated, I think, wasn't it? And there's definitely some adult piece uh, you know bits and pieces in there whether that's the horror or you know sexual kind of con- connotations well no ghostbusters was a pg it was a pg in this country otherwise i would never have been able to sit because um we didn't have the 12 certificate then so it was either pg or 15 so was, wasn't it r in the states then uh i don't was know pg 13 okay uh, i i guess i just assumed because of it, you know, uh, normally uh, films with uh, really blatant uh, blowjob gags in them, uh, t- t- tend to not, get, not, not, be, not fall under the uh, under PG. But there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it's 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 funny, isn't it? It's 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 funny what you can get away with back then, with um, you know, uh, with with PGs. I mean, there's you could you could say shit a lot more. And you could say um, you could show you could flash boobs. I, you know, is this? I mean, that kind of stuff now would definitely be a, a, a twelve rating. Well, I think that was kind of why the twelve rating comes along, isn't it? Because you mm. get things like, well, like this to a degree, but you know, in particular, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and stuff like that, where it's yeah. where they're really pushing the edges of 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 what you can get away with that's right oh yeah i mean raiders of the lost ark i mean that just that last sequence with you know faces melting and stuff like that <laughs> i mean you'd see that kind of stuff in a in an 18 film so how they got that in a pg it's it's crazy 
It was a, it was another time, folks. <laughs> but uh, yes, this has been. Uh, if if you buy Ghostbusters now on DVD and Blu-ray, it is a twelve A or twelve. So the the rating has been changed. That's interesting, isn't it? But I mean, I do remember that. Um, even though there was those scary parts, so it was like the librarian ghost, and there was the um, the sort of the hellhounds. Uh, everything else, I was fine with. I, I really enjoyed because I uh, just I loved the the sort of the, the four main characters in it and the, just the way they you know work off each other. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really good ensemble. I think the whole the whole piece and. Uh... You know, it, it, it's the the casting is is just spot on in this movie. It's uh, it, it's really difficult to picture anyone other than who, you know, who we get in the roles, isn't it? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. And and the sort of dialogue is so quotable. I mean, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. <laughs> or somebody's like, um, somebody brought a cougar to a party. was it um i'm the gatekeeper um oh i'm i had the sort of official book for it you know like the official magazine and they had all the quotes in like big bold letters on there so i remember sort of seeing that you know how i remember most of the dialogue is through that that book so it's like uh he slimes me um, I, I know stuff like I feel so funky. You know, there was just this weird, you know, the 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 dialogue they put in there was just great and just you know very quotable. I mean, um, I have to say when Dan Aykroyd first appears on screen, when he goes, it, "This is it. This is definitely it." it it's a bit jarring. Because you've got this wonderful scene going on with Bill Murray doing the psychic test with the with the, the the boy and the girl, and he's hitting on the girl, yet he's screwing with the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 that kind of it's that it's that thing that only you know certain comedians or comic actors can get away with, where he's basically been an asshole. In yeah, this. and and yet you still like the guy, you know. Well, I mean, the thing is, the I mean, the 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 door just sums it all up because you see their names and you see Venkman's and it just somebody's written graffiti, burning hell, Venkman. <laughs> I know, and it's it's a re- it's a really nice sort of introduction to mm. kind of, I, I guess, like how uh, a sort of, he's you know he's a natural born rebel, but uh, and. And you know, a bit of a womanizer, clearly, but uh, he's he you know, he also kind of doesn't care, and that's sort of I think that's kind of what, what you get, isn't it? Really, is he, he doesn't really care, you know, um, but and and it's and it's only when you sort of see him interact with his friends you get that other sort of uh, side of his personality where you're like, oh, actually, you know, there are some things people he does care about, you know, yeah. So, yeah, I mean this. Um, I do love the moment where um, they they they've just come out the the library and Egon's doing his thing with the uh, calculator. So are, are you sure about this catch him a ghost thing? And he says, 
I'm, I'm always sure. And he goes, he comes out with like a fruit bar or something, doesn't he? He goes, I, I take it back. You, you've earned <laughs> giving the chocolate bar. <laughs> something I didn't notice, and it took like a video on YouTube to sort of show this up. But you know the bit in the um, hotel when they, when they get their their first capture, who turns out to be down the road Slimer. <laughs> which always sort of amused me because it's um you know how they they took this ghost who's really revolting and horrible and then they they made him you know like this cutesy character that you cared about when it came to the cartoons and then of course the second film yeah well that the cartoons were strange weren't they the real ghostbusters that was an odd cartoon well that was because uh hannah barbera owned the rights to ghostbusters and so they quick. I, I think, I think they had the rights for it when it came to cartoons. So they they put out their own Ghostbusters, which I think they named the Ghostbusters. And of course, then the the cartoon had to call it something else. So they called it the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> so the joke being that the film is based off these guys. Yeah, it was it, got it, it's which is quite meta, you know. Yeah, yeah for, for a sort of. Uh, eight ten year old watching that you know yeah. um I'm not sure i was fully aware of that at the time but there we go but uh, going back to my point the um in the scene where they're talking about money because you're too busy i always notice this you're always looking at uh venkman you're always looking at bill murray and he's he and you wonder he dishes out these numbers if have a look at egon he puts his hands up and he, he puts like he f- puts his fingers up for how much it should cost it's just such a it, it, it's such a little t- nice touch, but it usually goes over. I mean, it's always I've, I've it's one of these films which, as a kid, one summer I watched every day, you know, and I never noticed that. Let's uh, see, I I I can't say I've ever noticed that. So that is it's it's true because you are all, it, the attention of the scene is on him. So yeah, yeah, and, and sort of um, Dan Aykroyd as well as as Ray because. Ray is just sort of the the lovely loud one, isn't he? <laughs> he, he, he's, he's he's so super enthusiastic about everything, isn't he? You know, yeah. and 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 he's so ill-equipped for the real world, which is which is what's sweet about him. You know, it's like That's you have to it, pr- yeah. protect him from himself, and, right, and, and his yeah. enthusiasm about uh, about. Oh, oh my god actual physical contact and oh look at this look at the great you know and look at all the slime and everything and oh brilliant it's awesome science the best you know? well i i love the bit where because um at the beginning when um and venkman asks ray what they should do and um and he's like um get her you know you know follow me i know what to do Get, like, get her and then at the end when when they're facing Goza uh, Venkman turns to Ray and goes go get her Ray <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like getting you back <laughs> I still love the line about are you a god it was it <laughs> no no it's what uh, Winston says he says if anybody asks you if you're, you're a, a god, god. you yes, say yes yes <laughs> it's it, it is good that it, it's it's wonderful and it's one of these films that it's very similar to uh the blues brothers 
that it, it came together very quickly. I mean, I think everybody sort of knows the story now that Dan Aykroyd came up with this story and it was supposed to be set in the future where uh, Ghostbusters are a franchise. So there are all these guys out there busting ghosts and it was going to be him and John Belushi in it. And and like the Blues Brothers where he came up with this huge treatment, you know, probably about the size of a um, like a phone book. And then get it to Ivan Reitman to sort of, you know, to make. And sort of Ivan Reitman then had to sort of distill it into something that he could do that was a bit more realistic. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I was listening to a, an interview with him and he, and he basically said that he got this treatment and it's full of these great ideas and, uh, you know, and all this, you know, comedy bits and you could see so much potential. But but he's like, there's no way we can make this, you know, it, 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 the thing about Ivan Reitman is you feel he always has his half has his producer's hat on, so yeah. he's so he's looking and going, no, that's no, 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 putting a line for it. <laughs> but uh, but you know what he said to him is uh, no, what 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 you need to make is a guys setting uh, guys setting up a business movie. Yeah, and, and 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 when you break it down, that's that's kind of what it is, isn't it? It's like they set up their new business. Uh, you know, it looks like it's not, it's going to fail before it's even got a chance to start. Then finally get their first gig. You know, then then the money starts rolling, and then they have sort of manpower problems because they've been overworked. They they come up against city bureaucracy, and it's sort of it's it's weird because it, it, that kind of grounds it, doesn't yeah. it? You know. Oh yeah. Uh, and and the fact that uh, that uh, uh, I mean, I think Bill Murray certainly uh, has this sort of kind of blue collar kind of thing about him even you know it's it, it sort of you know this like the like a genius you know although he tries to hide it but you know a, but a kind of a blue collar guy you know and and it, and, it, and and that sort of is is it sort of works it really nicely with with the kind of intellectual like of egon and the sort of more kind of preppy you know ray i think when the the dean of the university comes along and says, uh, Mr. Venkman, you seem to treat science as some kind of dodge, some kind of dive. You know, and that's kind of what he is. He is kind of like a like a, a con man, or as um, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character calls him, uh, you're more of like a game show host. Yes. And, uh, I mean, that was another wonderful piece of casting, Sigourney Weaver as uh, Dana Barrett. And in this, she's not Ripley. <laughs> No, definitely not. And and you know, she's uh, and she's not just the sort of straight woman to Bill Murray, is she? You know, no. it's it's, uh, and you need someone who will push back against that character because otherwise, I think, you know, that he is kind of, you know, uh, more arrogant, sort of pushy side would get a bit too much, you know. But the fact that she doesn't sort of just you know roll over and go, oh, you're so funny. You know, yeah, it is. It, you know, really works, and so you, you kind of be, you believe the relationship as it starts to sort of build. As a kid, I sort of kind of freaked out with the um, the hellhounds, especially when she gets they come out, burst out the the chair and grab her, and t- t- tear her down into the kitchen. I mean, that kind of stuff was like, whoa, shit! You know, it's like um, it's like the scene out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where the little boy gets, you know. Yeah, you get all, all, away. all, all yeah. the all the kind of scaly reptile hands come out and clamp over her, and then she gets dragged <laughs> in, right? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that did kind of freak me out. But um, again, there was this weird bit where one of the hands it was a bit over-enthusiastic and pulled her top down. Now, you don't actually see like a boob or anything, but, you know, you... you it's this weird thing you can see what she's wearing underneath which looks like a boob but (laughs) (laughs) it's just you you have watched this film a lot haven't you Simon (laughs) yes yes as I said it's one of the films as a kid was that that the bit where the VHS tape got a little bit worn (laughs) I wasn't that I wasn't old enough for that uh, I think I was about nine or ten that summer when I when I watched it a lot. Okay, did you get those special feelings? Was it like yeah. uh, was it was it was it an awakening? <laughs> Funny fluttering in your throat. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh-huh. I did wear out the tape, but not that big. Okay. <laughs> I just I watched it. I watched it over and over again. Well, you know, I'm I'm slightly envious because uh, uh, my own first exposure to Ghostbusters was different. In right. that uh, I was I was actively forbidden from seeing Ghostbusters at the cinema. Ah, right. Because uh, because as far as my parents were concerned, it was a horror film. Yeah. And uh, and they that was a that was an absolute no no. You know. Uh, any kind of horror or anything with the horror content, uh, even if it looked quite mild, was absolutely kind of verboten. And uh, and and it, you know, it, and it wasn't. I wasn't really of an age where I. Uh, well, either I wasn't of an age, or or or, uh, or I wasn't um, enough of a rebel to go and sneak in and see it on my own. But yeah. uh, but. You know, I, I remember being really disappointed because all my basically everyone I knew had gone to see it and was raving about it, and I, I couldn't get to go. So, so when I came to it later, um, it was with, it was with that kind of a bit of expectation. But you know, I, I loved it from the first moment, but I was just always a dis, bit disappointed I didn't get to see it at the cinema. It was quite quite an experience, and I've um, I've I've seen it a couple more times at the cinema now. Um, I saw it at the Prince Charles. Uh, which was kind of disappointing because it was a Blu-ray. Ah, yeah. I know. I, I've, I've, I've bitched and complained about you know film and and the digital on this podcast, but well, uh, I mean, it, the, to be fair, the, the, the Prince Charles in London, they do hmm. whenever they can scream from uh, from film. So yeah, yeah. But I, I did see it on a print uh, when I was working at the cinema Bon Wood. And oh my god, was that in a state? I mean, that was really a scratch to hell. So, <laughs> so probably best thing it wasn't on on a, on a film print because to to find a pristine film print these days, especially from a film from nineteen eighty four, very very difficult. I'm sure they're out there, but uh, they're very difficult to find. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there are sort of places like you know, sort of BFI and uh, in this. You know, in the UK and and uh, you know maybe UCLA, UCLA over in the states, where that you know they restore films and and do stuff like that. I'm sure you can. I'm sure there there are some good prints around there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Alamo Draft House probably got some good stuff. Uh, it's just a shame with the Blu-ray that they just don't go in and just fix up some of the uh, effects in it because you can sort of, you can see the cells around some of the um, the ghosts. 
Well, that's the thing about 4K restoration, isn't it? Is that you are going to see those things, and then they make the choice. You know, it's like, you know, it's like when they sort of did things like cleaning up the sort of George Pell War of the Worlds from the fifties. That's great, but then you see all the wires on the spaceships. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not things that cannot be sort of taken care of. I yeah, mean, that's, well, yeah, that's but it depends how much of a purist you are about it, doesn't it? It's like, okay, well, that's kind of how they did it. So, you know, well, I mean, it's not. It's just sort of, it's just clearing up. I mean, it's like with what they did with Star Wars, where they went back and they cleared up some of the effects. So they got rid of the sort of black lines you'd see, like in in the um, Battle of Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, because you could see quite thick black lines, and sometimes yeah, the matte you could lines, s- yeah. Sometimes you could see the at actually through the canopy of the um, the snowspeeder. So things like that. I mean, we're just we're just all we're talking about is just a little cleanup of the just to take the outline of the cell off, and then and just leave everything else. Well, that that sounds fair enough, but mm. uh, you know, obviously, you know, George Lucas is the one paying for all the sort of matte yeah. lines to be taken off, and the yeah. studio. Is not, yeah. It's, it doesn't want to do that for Ghostbusters, so no, no. there we go. Um, so, so when it came to the sequel, did you get to see that one at the cinema? I think so. It's it, to be honest, it, I, I don't have a great memory of, of this second one. Uh, you know, it's one of those films where I was, I was disappointed at the time, and then yeah. but, but coming back to it, it's actually not as bad as I, as, as you know, as I initially remembered it, but it's still. It, it it doesn't have the magic of the first one. No, it, it doesn't. It's sort of, um, I think it's one of those things they just left it too long to come back. Because it was, it came out in eighty nine, and eighty nine was that weird year where you you had a lot of these sort of comeback films. So you had Back to the Future Part Two as well, which worked a lot better than Ghostbusters Two did. Yeah. So yeah, it was just a bit. It was you know it was very. Yeah, I was I was disappointed as well. I mean, I I watched it again recently, as um, especially in sight of we were doing this podcast, and I found it enjoyable. But but it, yeah, it just sort of it pales in in comparison with the original one. And it's just that is that saying it's it's really hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice. But I think also the other problem with Ghostbusters Two is it was too influenced by the cartoon. And less by the original film. I mean, the the designs of the ghosts became more cartoonish. I mean, you had Slimer in there, and you know, also with um, the Annie Potts character Janine, she sort of she she looked like she'd been styled to be more like the Janine in the cartoon and the Janine in the original Ghostbusters. So yeah, it's just yeah, very. It didn't quite work, and I mean the fact as well is that they were back at they were back at the same point they were at the beginning of the first film. They were all sort of, you know, out out of work, and they weren't Ghostbusters, and then they came Ghostbusters again. So you know, you you think after five years they might have been, you know, in a better place than they were. I I don't know. I have to say that bit about it didn't necessarily bother me. Um, I mean. It, it, because uh, I think because that they have that whole bit in the first film about 
you know, uh, uh, the Twinkie explanation. Oh, you yeah. Know, if this yeah. Twinkie represents the uh, normal amount of psychokinetic energy in New York, then imagine a Twinkie, you know, how many, however many uh, hundreds of feet high he, he describes it as. Yeah, you know, it's a big Twinkie. A, yeah, <laughs> it's a big goddamn Twinkie. Um, but, uh, but my sort of interpretation of that was it isn't, it shouldn't be that big. So if you kill the massive Twinkie, all you're left with is a little one. So once they've cleaned up all the ghosts that, that got let out after Dickless, you know, shut down the yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to love, got to love that actor, haven't you? You know. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, William uh, Aff- Afferton, yeah, who played Waterpeck. I mean, it's. He was just the go-to guy in the eighties, wasn't he, for a sort of yeah, a, like a, yeah. a, 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 a vicious sort of. Uh, baddies who, who you really love to hate you know well he was not a baddie but he was just he was one of these of, of official guys who was he just got in the way i mean like his character in die hard who, exactly the journalist yeah. who you know goes round to uh mclean's house to talk to the kids and you know nearly gets his wife killed <laughs> and he's kind of like that kind of character he, he does something which he feels is the best interest of everybody but because it it's no interest of anybody at all and uh yeah i mean it's just um but he 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 plays it so well it's the thing (laughs) yeah i i love that moment when he's sort of you know he's almost sort of laughing he thinks he's on the on the same page as as venkman and he's sort of saying you know he's laughing he's saying because he's saying what's the you didn't say the magic word and he's sort of laughing. He's like, "What's the magic word, Mister Venkman?" Oh, yeah. I, and then I, I, I have, him. I have to say that I think was, I think he was corpsing a little bit, because it kind of comes in the middle of that bit. I, I don't know. It, 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 I think that that works for me because oh, it works. Because, it works because he well, yeah. slams the door on the guy, yeah, yeah. and then it yeah. sort of it almost adds to the fact that he then sort of is going to like, right, I'm going to come down and shut you down. You, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's right, because he's like saying, "Oh, I'm interested in what you do," and you know, we're getting some reports and stuff, and want to know if you're, you know, actually a hazard. But uh, no, I, I, I do love the scene where, you know, in the mayor's office, and they go, "Is you know, he caused an explosion? Is this true?" Yes, sir. This man has no dick. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah, the timing is, is superb. So, Walter Peck, isn't it? Yeah, yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, it's the thing, it's one of these films when it gets shown on TV, because they're showing it to, uh, before the watershed, a lot of it gets cut out. And I, it was, I mean, because I, I was used to watching the TV version. That was the version I actually watched a lot. Well, that's the it, they actually version. shot, it was that, in that time when they would actually shoot alternative versions of scenes, wasn't it? Uh, as well something like that but i think i yeah yeah but i think there was i think you can get them on the blu-ray yeah they i think there was stuff cut out i mean there's certainly i remember uh (laughs) we came we saw oh you you did Uh, (laughs) no you didn't do anything else we came we saw (laughs) that's always really frustrating when you when when you're watching a movie and you know all the beats you know, because yeah. it's a favourite movie, and then it's been cut, and it's like it's like the record skipping, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, well, man, you know what happened yeah. there? It's like if I don't know if you've ever watched uh, Crocodile Dundee, yeah, uh, like yeah. during the day, 
Um, yeah, that, they cut the they cut the absolute hell out of that. Oh man, have you watched Gremlins during the day? Oh my god, <laughs> there's hardly any of the film left. <laughs> wow. Oh dear, but yes, this is this is a problem with films that are sort of aimed at an older audience, but uh, children latch onto. So I mean, you you clearly latch onto this one. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think about it? It is about it that you kind of means you keep coming back to it. Is it just a nostalgia thing, or, or you know, what do you get out? You know, coming back to it as an adult and a filmmaker. What, what, you know, what makes this your heaven pick? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, it's one of those films that guarantees to to make me smile, to make me laugh. And it, I could be having like a really shitty day, and I could put that on, and it, you know, for for that time it's on, I will forget about everything that's going on, and I'll actually have a good day. And so, I mean, I don't watch it that often now, but um, but when I do, I I, I come back to it, and I, I really enjoy it, and it it still seems kind of fresh to me and stuff like that, and. Um, yeah, it's a sort of it's it's one of those films where I mean I don't actually own it as a thing. I mean I, you know, because it's usually on Sky or Netflix. <laughs> right. <laughs> if I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it that way. But um, um, I think also because I'm waiting for the all singing, all dancing version of it to come out. You know. Well, you know the the uh, the 4K restoration Blu-ray is you know where they got one and two together is pretty good. Mm. Uh, yeah. Keith was kind enough to lend that to me uh, as part of my preparation because <laughs> he knew knew that he'd be busy in his yeah. uh, new job as uh, as the gatekeeper. Apparently, he's preparing for the coming of Gozer. So <laughs> keep him keep him very busy. Are you sure he's not the keymaster? Because <laughs> <laughs> I swear those two had sex up there, you know. <laughs> so wow. I think the keymaster might be a bit surprised to see Keith there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know, but he, he's, he's got he's got that really throaty voice, so perhaps it wouldn't oh, work right. very well on the podcast. But, you know. <laughs> uh. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, anyway, you were trying to answer my semi-sensible question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we, we'll move on. But uh, I, I just want to say, um, did you ever read the um, the the adaptation of it of Ghostbusters? The novelization? No, I never yeah. did. Uh, did you? I did, yes. Uh, uh, and the um, I there was kind of uh, I remember two interesting things about it that clears up, um, especially the um, dream that uh, <laughs> that Ray has. <laughs> but um, the first thing is the um, the advert in the book. They uh, it, they was, they were talking about it being more of a light show that they actually had their proton packs and they were firing things up into the sort of the outside of the fire station, and um, and I was like, oh, why wasn't this in the film? But then thinking about it, I I loved the sort of cheesy advert of we're ready to believe you. <laughs> yeah, no, it it, it it feels like yeah like what they could afford as a yes. starting out business. So yeah. yeah. Maybe because um, a lot of the time uh, the novelizations are not based on the shooting script, but maybe sort of the, the script that got greenlit or something like that. Because there's always something different in it. But um, to go to the Ray, um, the Ray Stance dream, 
the the thing is that was um that was one of the sort of missions they went on and um they couldn't find the ghost so ray decided he found this you know general's costume and he decided to put it on oh that's why he's wearing that thing uh, yes that, 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 yeah that, that makes sense i thought it was just part of his this strange fantasy he was having but um... yeah and um and he sort of lies down in the bed and that's when the ghost appears ah, and mistakes okay. him to be the general you know and then yeah because he he's got quiet. these epaulets on and, and, mm. and which when you're watching you're like huh that's odd <laughs> but but then obviously you were distracted by the by the shenanigans and the yeah 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 so it was. It's one of those things where it's, yeah. It's always like, why is that in there? <laughs> it, it, it's it's certainly you know, it, it's it's certainly kind of you think they would never put that in a mainstream movie now. Never, no. never, 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 never. never, never. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, the eighties. There you go. They they were. Yeah, they they were. A, it was a strange time. <laughs> yes. Well, continuing on with the eighties, let's uh, move on to your pick, Clive. Yes, uh, my pick for movie heaven, Simon, is the nineteen eighty one comedy produced and directed by Mister Reitman, uh, Stripes. Yay! So yeah, staying firmly in Bill Murray, Harold Ramis territory here, um, and. Yeah, this is it's kind of interesting genesis with this one because obviously uh, this is his uh, follow-up to Meatballs. Um, his second movie is uh, as director, and uh, as as Reitman tells it, he went to the studio after Meatballs, and you know, and, and being the, pro- the producer of Animal House, and he was like the hot guy. So, hmm. uh, so they're like, okay, what do you want to do? So he pitched them. Uh, this idea he had, which was basically Cheech and Chong join the Navy. That's right. Yes. So, uh, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know, Cheech and Chong were, you know, were, were these two uh, comedians who had a really successful series of films where they play these stoner characters. And uh, and uh, so, the, and, this, and he went in and it was, it was the easiest pitch he ever did, basically. Uh, he went in, he pitched that, one line, Xi Chong joined the, joined the army, and, and they're like, great, greenlit. So then he went off and wrote the script uh, together with Harold, uh, with Harold Ramis, and, uh, you know, and they sent it to Xi Chong, and Xi Chong said no. Um, you know, they're, they're, apparently their uh, agent was really apologetic about it, but they said no. <laughs> so then they went about, because uh, uh, Harold was, um, uh, you know, was, was great friends with Bill, uh, with Bill Murray, you know, and and had, uh, you know, had written Meatballs, and uh, and also, uh, so so there was the idea that they could get Bill to do it, they could retool the whole thing, yeah. uh, and and uh, and Ivan had this idea that well, one, uh, you know, you know, you've done some sort of you've done comedy stuff just not on screen, why don't you play his best mate in this, you know, and, and, and I think also with the producer's hat on thinking that'll get bill in you know it, yeah. if the script yeah. in itself doesn't that'll get him in and uh, and it worked and, and and so you know you've got a really simple setup here which uh, which works really nicely which is you know you've got these two guys who are dissatisfied with their lot in life you know 
Uh, Bill Murray is a taxi driver who hates his job, you know, and he has the sort of day from hell where, you know, he sort of he quits his job, he splits up with his girlfriend, he loses his apartment, his car gets repossessed, um, and in a, you know he keeps seeing these adverts for join the army, it's a man's life, you'll travel, you have all these wonderful things, um, and uh, he convinces his mate, uh, you know, played by Harold Ramis, yeah, that, Russell. Russell, yeah, uh, you know, Bill's, yeah, uh, Bill's character's called uh, John Winger in this. So you got, right. so you got John and uh, John and Russell. He's like, yeah, oh, it'd be great. Join up, join up. And, and Russell is, you know, is is bored with his job too, which is as this English teacher for, uh, uh, you know, for foreign uh, for, students. For foreign students uh, and uh, you know, he, he feels like he's not very good at that. And he's kind of a bit directionless and. You get the sense where they have this friendship, and they and they paint it in really well. Where, where, where Russell will kind of go along with whatever John suggests, because uh, even though he knows it's probably not a good idea, just because he knows he'll have a fantastic time, um, you know, and and that uh, that basically John can sort of wrap him around his little finger a little bit. So he convinces him, yeah, let's just so that they join the army for a lark. And then they come up come up against the army, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, in in the form of Sergeant Holker. Sergeant Holker, yes, played <laughs> played by the legends that is Warren Oates. Yes. And you know Warren Oates is just one of my favourite character actors of all time. So and I think he's absolutely brilliant in this. I mean, it, it, I mean, especially it, it was kind of an eye opener for me when I first watched this film because I think I probably came to it late. Um, because you know, I, I I just knew him as you know one of the wild bunch, as the guy yeah. from Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, uh, you know, ride uh, ride the high country, right? Yeah, ride the high yeah. country, ride with the devil, uh, yeah. all, all these uh, Dillinger, all these like hard boiled kind of gnarly character parts, you know, uh, where he's he's playing sort of yeah, he's just Weasley characters, or he's playing sort of tough as nails sort of hard uh, guys and then in this he's you know he's the he's the drill sergeant and it's it's a really interesting kind of chemistry in the scenes that he has with uh, with with uh, with Bill Murray because you know Holker versus Winger in this is kind of <laughs> it, 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 it's it's this um it's this real it's it's this kind of Interesting thing you get in you get it to uh, in, an, in a different way and say something like uh, Marathon Man, where you get the two two different styles of acting clashing. Yeah, and you've got this very old school kind of character actor at Hollywood. I will come in and say the lines, and then you've got sort of like this comic dynamo coming in who who, who likes to improvise and do all bits and pieces, and you know, and that gives their scenes a real edge. Yeah. You know, oh and, god yeah yeah which 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 really helps and uh you know and and so and so what might otherwise be uh, you know this is quite this is a, a deceptively this is a smart film but mm. you know you can look at it and think oh this is just a sort of like a silly comedy uh and uh you know and just sort of you know and you can watch it and just get and get a lot of laughs from it and to be honest you know, this is. I think this is. Uh, you know, Reitman's funniest overall comedy. You know, I'm a, I love Ghostbusters, but yeah. maybe, uh, maybe because I've seen it a, a lot, 
or maybe because it has because I find the uh, uh, sort of you know horror supernatural kind of arc story quite sort of serious you know I, I don't get as, as many laughs of it out of it as I do with Stripes you know no I, I agree with you because um, the Stripes I, I do laugh a lot at it I mean, it's interesting because uh, about the same time we had um, Private Benjamin as well. So if Private Benjamin's sort of the female perspective of the army, this <laughs> was kind of the the male version to somewhat. I mean, it's. <laughs> I think that if you want a real, um, you know, uh, if you want a real story about the army, watch the first half of Full Metal Jacket because that's that's more realistic than this is. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's true. But obviously, this is this is before that, so. Mm. Yeah, it's um, no. I mean, I, I think you've got in this film an absolutely kind of fantastic ensemble cast. Uh, you've got loads, and you've really got a sort of tip your head to Ivan Reitman with this one and his casting director, whoever that was, because you know he takes he takes a punt on Harold Ramis, you know, in his first movie on screen. Even yeah. though the even though the studio actively said we don't want this guy, and he just went ahead and cast him anyway, uh, you've got Judge Reinhold in his first movie. Yeah, you've got John Candy in his first American movie. He'd done some sort That's of Canadian right. stuff, but this is his big American sort of debut. You've got Sean Young in her in her first movie. That's right. Yes, and uh, you've got uh, John Larroquette. Yeah, John Larroquette uh, as Captain yeah. Stillman. Stillman. You've got yeah. John Deal, uh, who goes on and, and does a load of character stuff. And uh, and and then you've got you know uh, returning from the glories of Halloween you've got PJ Souls yes so yeah. when you put all those all those people together um, and you know that that's just like that that's just like a one of those sort of dream casts you know and you think wow that's really strong and and they really bounce off each other really well I mean you've got that central duo which leads you through the movie you've got the uh, you've got the 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 antagonist in the form of Warren Oates, and then the more sort of uh, ludicrous uh, uh, sort of Captain Stillman played by, wonderfully by John Larroquette, you know, yeah, uh, who who gets these just wonderful bits of physical comedy to do, you know, the bit where he's where he's caught spying on on, oh, on, 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 on the girls uh, uh, in in the, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, for those who haven't who haven't seen the scene. Uh, you've got you know he's the he's the commander of the camp he's supposed to be this sort of you know uh upright citizen but but he's you know he's basically being a peeping tom and spying on his female soldiers taking a sh- taking showers yeah. uh, and, and 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 you and he's caught kind of commentating on it you know and he's sort of saying oh I didn't know they could do that. Oh, I wish I was a loofer. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah. and, and which moment, you know, it's assistants coming in and he's sort of, don't just, dis- I told you not to disturb me when I'm doing things. And, 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 and his superiors come in and it sort of makes him jump. And he go and he just has this wonderful physical bit where he just, he's so, he's so kind of, you know, alarmed that he just sort of, he just froze, he just uh, in he just throws the telescope through the window in a kind of like a uh, reflex reaction and it's just That's such, right. it's just such yeah. a wonderful bit um, well i mean this is a thing i mean um 
we sort of spoke a little bit before we started the podcast and you said to me about how you didn't remember there being so much sort of nudity in this film. And it was kind of like comedies back then, they did kind of go for the more, this kind of rudeness. Because, you know, like films like Porky's. Yeah, where, yeah. Which I actually, you know, there was actually actually stronger nudity than that. I mean, in this it's, it is female, but in Porky's you actually had kind of male nudity. I, I think at least that that shows a bit more equality. This, yeah. there is a lot yeah. of gawking oh, yeah. at the female body. Yeah. You've got, you know, got the shower scene. You've you've got the mud wrestling scene, which is a funny comedy scene because it's John Candy mud, uh, you know, uh, up against a, a load of uh, a load of erotic dancers in the mud. And it's, yeah, it, and he's getting his ass kicked as well. Yeah, well, that, that's what <laughs> that's what makes it funny. But you know, but yeah. they do still all end up with you know topless covered in mud. So yeah. you know, the, 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 there's a there's a bit of exploitation in this movie. But you know, but it's such a it's it's on the whole it's such a sweet natured film that that doesn't yeah. kind of it, it doesn't ruin it for me. You know, I mean, I I, I am I mean I am surprised though that PJ Souls uh, has a topless scene in it because she's one of the she's one of the stars. That seems strange. Well, this is one of the things um, because uh, we've both seen because there's two versions of this out. There's the theatrical cut and there's the longer cut. And the theatrical cut doesn't have PJ Souls naked in it, but the longer cut does. Because in the PJ so- in the sorry in the theatrical cut, you see them get out the the chest at the bottom. <laughs> it's like what on earth did they do in that chest? But she oh, was no, no, fully no, no, covered no, no. up. The, 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 the topless bit I'm talking about is is uh, it's not in that first sex scene. It's no, no, it's in the later one. It's, it's, in, it's in the later one, yeah. But in the theatrical version, you don't see that. You don't actually see what goes on in that hotel in Germany. You, ah, you see okay. him come out. See, this is the thing. Cause I, the, I, I'm not sure this... I ever saw the theatrical cut then. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the, the theatrical cut's a lot tighter because um, it also sort of... this. It also gets rid of their little... Um, they, they make a run for it, but um, Russell's been given some drugs. So yes. he's completely out of it. And they end up on a... An aircraft that's with these these troops who are gonna you know they parachute into Mexico. Yeah, the, 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 there's there's this whole bit which, to be fair, is set up you know because there's there's this uh, there's this uh, you know sort of Chekhov's gun thing which they set up where where uh, Winger's character breaks up with his girlfriend and she's talking about you're always putting on these Louis Prima records. And, and, right, and then it yes. comes back in this scene with these revolutionaries, where he starts singing a Louis Prima song, Good. and they all. That's charming. right. They sing uh, Quando, Quando, Quando. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, oh. yeah. Again, it was kind of uh, cut out of the theatrical, uh, even though the bit afterwards where uh, Sergeant Holker is looking for people who had, uh, you know gone you know gone AWOL for a bit and Russell sort of steps I, forward I wonder whether doesn't. that's just the is that just the UK theatrical then no 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 it's um again this uh, interview I heard with him where they talked about stripes they it's it's a there's there's the theatrical version and then there's a sort of a longer cut that came out for DVD I, I'm I'm quite I'm quite fond of, of the additional scenes, and I'm not just saying that because of the additional <laughs> PJ Souls. I swear, um, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it, it has a sort of um, kind of uh, like 
freeform quality at times uh, sort of stripes. It, 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 although you know it's very tight in terms of kind of it goes you know point to point to point. You know it, it feels like like they've left room for a bit of comedy mm. improv, and you know it's yeah. Well, there's there's another thing from the longer cut that's not in the theatrical, and that's um, Russell's. Um, he doesn't want to get into the Winnebago and go into Austria. That's right. Yeah. Which in the theatrical version, there's none of that. So there's those scenes um, are a little bit longer, especially when he's trying to sort of work out how to get the, and the the bit where they're talking to the guards, and he's going, "Oh, we're really doing this." You know, because uh, Wingers told him that they're only going to go and have a look. And, of course, Wingers sort of pressed him into uh, doing something against his will. But in the theatrical version, it doesn't really come across. That's kind of it's that kind of bit's been excised. And I have to say, I, I've only watched the longer version recently, so I don't really know how I feel about that because it was it was quite a surprise because I was watching it and then suddenly this this the scene came out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, uh, it's strange when you get used to a version of a film and then you suddenly yeah. see a different version. It can be it sort of can be difficult to get your head around. I mean, I, I, I personally like that Russell isn't such a complete pushover the whole time. Um, you know that there is a bit of back and forth there. You know, even if yeah, eventually yeah. gets worn down. So yeah, but I mean, it wasn't that he was a pushover, but the fact that um, he he was more for rescuing his friends and less about pussing out about it, yeah. <laughs> which was in the longer version. So yeah, because he was worried that he'd get killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's. Um, no, but I'm I'm quite glad I sort of watched the longer version. I just I didn't realise there was one. It's just the the option I had to view it was um, that was it, and it was like, oh wow, I don't remember this, you know. Especially it's it is weird when it's kind of like you don't realise you're watching a longer cut, and then suddenly this new scene comes along, and you go, I don't remember this. I'm sure this wasn't aired last time. Yeah, I'm it. sure I would have remembered PJ Souls uh, with their top <laughs> off. I'm sure that might, <laughs> it would have stuck in my memory somehow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. But um, yeah, no, it, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's sort of. Um, it's well worth checking out if you if you've not seen it and i do like the sort of the covers at the end especially with bill murray one which they used for the poster but it's like how can the modern was it how can the armies uh oh god I, I had it in my head um uh can we survive the modern army <laughs> something like that yes yeah. <laughs> uh but uh, no, no, it's uh, it's it's it hasn't. That's the thing. It's it's aged very well. It's not, it, it, you know, it it does look eighties. But yeah, yeah I mean, not uh, in a... there is. It's like literally in the third act, there is this sort of Cold War bit in it. But yeah. but to be honest, it, that could be going behind any kind of any enemy lines to lines, a degree, yeah. couldn't it? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, no, it was, it was great, and uh, and the armored uh, Winner, Winnebago. Yeah. Well, which is still state of the art, as we know. Yes. You know, uh, every every army's got an arm, got an armoured Winnebago now for, for for urban pacification. Well, I mean, that's the thing I loved about the fact that uh, when Winger sells it to Russell about uh, you know the Winnebago that well you know we'll 
join the army and we could get Winnebago. <laughs> and then they're guarding the, like, the Winnebago. <laughs> yeah, oh, so I, mean, I think uh, maybe one last thing I'd like to flag up about this is that, you know, uh, for all you 80s, uh, for you fans of 80s montages, you know, uh, you know who you are. You know, but it, you know, you've you've got you know you've got your collection. You've got your Rocky movies there. You know, you've got your sort of uh, you've got your Rambo movies. You know, because you like the sort of the tooling up montages. You know, uh, in this one we've got a, there's a really there's a nice training montage I think wh- mm. where we see how you know see see the whole platoon kind of suffering at the hands of Hulker. And it's and it's and it's nicely sort of paced by. They keep cutting back to uh, uh, to winger, sort of being forced to do more and more push push ups. Uh, yeah. And and it's and it's 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 you know it's not a sort of it's not a to- it's not a slick kind of you know eye of the tiger montage, but it is. But uh, it's 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 a nice sort of you know a, a, a nice bit of, uh, of, of 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 montage craft, I think. Because you got, because you know, because you got to have a montage, haven't you? <laughs> Rocky had a montage. He did, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just want to say one last thing before we leave, and that's um, is this is this is a film where um, you sort of see Bill Murray do his, his stick because uh, he does this in Meatballs, and he also does it in Ghostbusters, where he does he he has to do a motivational speech. Yes. And he, he, it's one of these things where I think he got, he was starting to get fed up of that because it, it seemed to be in every film he was in, there comes some crisis moment where but to be fair, this, all is lost. Th- th- this is and like the Bill second, Murray's got the second time he's done it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Is there, I don't think there's one in Caddyshack, is there? No, there, there isn't one in Caddyshack, but I mean, I'm, see, I've only watched Meatballs recently. I hadn't watched it. Uh, so, and, same here. Yeah. Yeah, and for some reason, I always thought there was an alien in it. Really? Yeah, I remember seeing the cover of it in um, the video shop for ages, and there was like a flying saucer. And so I was watching it, and expecting this alien to <laughs> pop up, and there, there wasn't anything. Oh, and oh then yeah. oh, you've, not, you've only seen the theatrical cut, Simon. You've not seen the extended <laughs> alien cut version. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, it turns out that um, Meatballs 2 has like a, a, an ET spoof in it and stuff. So uh, if you look at right. the, if you see the if you see the poster for Meatballs 2, there's actually a flying saucer in the background. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you've got the bit where Bill Murray gives the campers the motivational speech about, you know, we're gonna lose but we don't care you know we're gonna play it and we don't care and it's just it, it, in that it feels really natural and in this as well it feels natural but it does kind of it just seems to start getting to this bit where it's like well you know there's a moment where it's suddenly they need somebody to step up and it's always bill murray's character well i mean they set it up though i think mm. if you watch this back to back with meatballs then maybe you're going oh it's that scene again but you know, uh, if you're just watching the film, it's I think it plays perfectly well. You know, yeah. and I, I, I yeah. like the whole. You know, uh, we're mongrels, we're we're mutts. You know, but <laughs> yeah. you know, but but hey, but we everyone loves us. You know, yeah. Um, it, it's it's you know it works. You know, it it, it g's them up. So yeah, yeah. No, it, it does, and I think it's. But it, it's just funny how there's always. It just seems to be that little trait that um, 
happens with Bill Murray, especially when he's working with Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the other thing I, that I love about Bill Murray in this is is how he is with with Harold Ramis on screen, because you don't yeah. get this in Ghostbusters. Because in Ghostbusters, uh, you know, Ramis is is really in character as as Egon. Yeah. And yeah. although they, there are there are some nice bits like like the one you pointed out, which I didn't pick on, where he's sort of holding up their numbers for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and they and you know the timing and everything is there between them. In Stripes, you get that whole thing where it's like Russell is almost like the audience. You know, empathy character yeah. for a lot of this, yeah. And, yeah. and and you just see him, he's just kind of something. He's just clearly just enjoying Murray doing his shit. And I sort of, <laughs> and, and although you can say, well, that you know, is he in character with this? But but he's but Ramis in this uh, is he's he just seems very relaxed on screen, and it really yeah. works with him. Kind of, you, you really feel the the genuine sort of friendship and warmth between him and Murray. Yeah. And also, I, I, I like all his kind of, uh, you know, he, he gives a really good reaction shot, Harold Ramis, you know, you know, uh, and uh, uh, there's a bit, you know, that whole bit scene where they where the platoon is sort of telling stories about where they came from. Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and there's the bit where uh, where John Candy as Ox is sort of talking about where he's from and why he joined the army, and 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 it's and, it, and it's basically a two shot with like a few people in the background, but it's but a two shot of, of him and Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis is just sort of like nodding and oh yeah, and, and then and he and he, he starts to sort of kind of like just mimic him ever so slightly and sort of take the piss throughout the whole <laughs> yeah. thing, and and you get all these really nice moments in that, you know, and. and you know, it's filled with these sort of nice double acts like John Candy and John Deal, where the, yeah. John Candy just taking advantage of John of John Deal's sort of like like naivety, you know, yeah. not, well, naivety yeah. and just basically like lack of intelligence. <laughs> oh yeah, what did you say? <laughs> I thought I better dry, join up before I got drafted. <laughs> that's, that's right, and, and, and that, the whole scene, the scene where they're playing poker together, and he's like, yeah, and, yeah, and, and he's and the poor guy doesn't know how to play, and he's like, I think I maybe I should fold, and he's like, oh. Oh, let me have a look at your cards. Look at cards. And he shows you his cards. He's like, well, I don't know. I, 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 if I was you, I'd try and bluff you. I'd go all in. <laughs> and he does yeah. it. You know, it just, it's like, it's, it's, it's lo- it lovely. It's full of these really nice moments, whether it's, whether it's kind of physical bits um, or, or, you know, or more sophisticated humour. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a smart movie and uh, it's funny. And, you know, it's very clearly a product of its time. Uh, you can see that in well, in the fact that it was a, a fairly mainstream film with lots with so much nudity, um, yeah. and well, the language isn't too strong, is it really? But it's no, it's, no. The, the, the actually the the language is kind of tame. I don't. I, I think shit is the only sort of uh, swear word you hear in it, especially when uh, Sergeant Hulkie has <laughs> got incoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, language-wise, um, very tame. But uh, yes, nudity-wise, um, kind of, you know, yeah, not not much left to the imagination. Well, there we go. So yeah, so uh, if you've not, if you've not seen it, I heartily recommend Stripes. So we'll be back just after these messages. Kane, the Stone Cold Assassin. Three men. 
Corbin Taylor, Zeke Jones, and Jesse Williams were held for questioning by Marshal Gazer. His revenge will be swift. Ain't you the law around here, Sheriff? Nowhere to run. No place to hide. Jesse, you ever meet Kane? The new violent and bloody horror short from director Mike Tank. Red Wolf Pines. Is that what you told Luke? He died like the dog he was. Starring Keith Iles as Kane. That bastard ain't gonna find us out here. Available on YouTube and official website, www.apocalypticconservatory.com. Red Wolf Pines. Rated R for Rowdy. Do you like science fiction and fantasy? Do you like things to be rigorously, or rather obsessively, alphabetized? we have the show for you. The A to Z of SFF takes a wry, lightly fictionalised approach to the compulsive breaking over of pop culture artefacts that make up so much of today's podcastosphere. We cover everything from RNA aardvark to Zardoz, and all points in between. Zardoz might be a welcoming mind. We've been at this for a year and we haven't finished the A's yet. The A to Z of SFF. A podcast of epic triviality. Two men, 26 letters, one universe. Search for us on iTunes or your favourite podcast app as the A to Z of SFF. Or check out our website, the A to Z of SFF.com. What's the matter? Available now on Amazon.com, on DVD and video on demand. So, Simon, what is your pick for Movie Hell? Well, my pick for Movie Hell is uh, My Super Ex-Girlfriend. And uh, let me just see what year that was. (laughs) because <laughs> as you can tell i just don't really care <laughs> it was it was it was a great year for cinema oh god wasn't it uh god 
2006. 2006. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those films... Um, I saw on TV and uh, I just sort of instantly took a dislike to. It's really weird. I mean, it's it's got the the idea of it is kind of good, especially now where we're living in the age of superheroes, where every year we have more and more superhero films coming out. So the idea of taking a romantic comedy and then adding a character with superpowers is kind of like a good idea the only pro- uh, the problem is is that they they make the 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 girl the um, g girl um psychotic you know or neurotic or she's just you know it, it's just all her neuroses are sort of dialed up to 11 and so straight away you know, you're you're dealing with somebody who you you probably wouldn't go on one date with, let alone have a relationship with. I I'm not sure I totally agree with you here, but uh, but carry on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm, I'm not I'm not going to try and uh, make a case for this being a being a great movie, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think I I dislike it as much as you do, but do. Oh, okay. But carry on. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> See, the thing is, it, it, wouldn't it be an interesting story that you know? Say, uh, you know, you've you've got your Superman seen through the eyes of Lois Lane. And they're married. And so you have that thing where, you know, not only do you have to have a normal life, but your your other half is always off doing, you know, having to fly off and save people. Also, you've got to keep the, the secret identity. And, and this, they just, they kind of, you know, they, they're playing it for laughs. And it's just, ah, it's just a sort of a, a lot of missteps in it. I mean, I think... I don't know. I'm not quite sure Luke Wilson works in the in in the main role for a star. I mean, yes, the guy's supposed to be a wimp, but uh, I, it's yeah, it's just this whole. I mean, the whole thing with his office life, where every time he's with Anna Faris, um, that black woman turns up and accuses him of uh, sexual harassment. I mean, the joke wasn't funny the first time. It wasn't funny the five, fifth or sixth time it happens. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I, it's not a funny movie, and and no. it wants to be. Um, it wants to be really, really bad. I, I quite like Rain, is it Rain Wilson? What's his name? Oh, yeah, but again, he's a very, uh, it, it's so annoying, because you always get these characters who, you know, the, the idea is he gives uh, Luke Wilson's character a lot of advice on dating and you know he's clearly a character who has no idea he's trying to make out he's some sort of gigolo or something you know i date the women and then i leave them and all that kind of stuff and you know you, you know he's full of crap i mean it's because you've seen that character so many times yeah yeah it's right rain wilson he's playing uh he plays vaughn is uh he's his best mate basically of, of matt yeah. yeah um i mean I, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, I remember I watched the trailer for this movie, and 
the trailer really put me off. Uh, mm. it, I mean, the trailer splurged the sort of like the big special effects sequence, which is which is uh, spoiler. Uh, she throws a shark at him. Um, yeah, yeah, and it didn't look good. Uh, no. And Bruce from Jaws looked more convincing than that shark. <laughs> and and that's and basically that put me off. Um, and yeah. uh, so I didn't see it. So I well I watching it for uh, in preparation for this podcast the first time I saw it and I knew its reputation which was not a great reputation and so I guess pleasantly surprised is putting it too too strongly but I, I it didn't suck it, it you know it didn't suck as much as I thought it was going to I thought I, I think I think Ivan Reitman is a you know is a very good kind of it's very good at putting a movie together now mm. if the script isn't quite there or the car, some of the casting choices don't work, or you know, or 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 the or the kind of sexual politics behind it are just a bit, uh, you know, old-fashioned and whatever. It just doesn't quite chime right. Then it doesn't work as well. But I think as a film, I think it's it's perfectly watchable, and and it's it's kind of it, it's not, you know, I I didn't hate the film. I just, uh, you know, I, I would put it on the sort of same level as something like Father's Day, where I'm watching this and thinking these people have done better work and lots of other things, but you know it's it's not a badly made film. It's just, well, with the exception of the CG, uh, which we just talked about, um, <laughs> but it's just a kind of a bit. It's just it's just not good, um, no. and so I'm not going to quibble with you picking it as your hell. I mean, yeah. Here's here's my take on why I think it doesn't work. Okay. Uh, I think it, it has the feeling of a of a superhero movie because no matter how much they like, they might like to think that it's a romantic comedy with, you know, with superheroes sprinkled on it like some kind of special sauce. It's a superhero movie if you've got superheroes in it, but it's a superhero movie that's made by people who have never fucking read a comic in their life. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, <laughs> that is that is so right. <laughs> it, it's it's like it, it's like you know it's like they they've watched the Richard Donner Superman film, they've watched a few other uh, superhero movies, and they're like, oh yeah, we know this this stuff, right? You know, super secret identity. Uh, this character's got powers. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. So, so they so the, there is no world building this at all. You know, there's no idea of like if. If G Girl, which is the really rubbish name for a superhero, isn't it? You know. Yeah. I, well, I think I think G they is. think they were going. I think they were going for the comedy. You know, G Girl, G Spot. I, I, well, I, I don't know. know. Maybe they maybe they're going for that, but it didn't. It didn't hit, did it? No. Um, no. Or whether it was some sort of like, some gag, like you know, like Superman would be S Man because he got an S on his chest. Uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty thin, but it's like. You know, if you actually had a superpower character going around rescuing people, and they were the only person in the world, they would, you know, they'd be, a, it, they'd be a worldwide celebrity. Everyone would be like, you know, where did this person come from? Are they an alien? Are they, you know, where do they get these powers? You know, they, you know, Luke Wilson is so blasé about this G girl, and you know, yeah. he doesn't the idea. I mean, I sort of, I kind of half. You know, uh, go with the idea that he doesn't recognise G Girl, uh, you know, in the form of Uma Thurman when he goes on a date with her because she's, uh, you know, it's that Clark Kent thing of she's wearing glasses, but she's also changed the colour of her hair. But re but really, 
you know, unless you're going with that sort of, you know, sort of Smallville thing of like, she's so fast that she's only ever been captured in a blur. I don't really buy that because of the way that they, they do this. Um, you yeah. know, I mean the, the whole bit when, um, when Luke Wilson's been hung off the, um, Statue of Liberty and uh G girl comes and rescues him and she's like don't look at me don't look at me i mean you're gonna look at her i mean even though she's wearing sunglasses you you you, you know you, you're gonna pick out the resemblance really aren't you yeah so you know it, it's like there's no sort i do, i just don't believe the world and, and yeah. for comedy to work you need to sort of it needs to feel rooted in our world they try and root it in this sort of like in his office work but he works as he has one of the everyone has Hollywood jobs in this, you know, so yes, so do, it yeah. doesn't so that doesn't root it either. But you know, so but the superhero world burning is rubbish, you know, and the villain played by uh, well Eddie Izzard, um, you know, I, the, the the I think the origin story is fine. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's essentially the same origin story as we get in Chronicle, isn't it? Oh look, a rock <laughs> boing. <laughs> you know, um... Yeah, just uh, unfortunately, Eddie Izzard wasn't well. Uh, Barry wasn't close enough to uh, receive powers, was he? No. Uh, so, but it, it. I mean, as as motivation for turning into a supervillain, it's a bit thin. You sort of go with it, yeah. but. But you know why is he a super? Why is he the only only super villain in the world? You know what has he actually done? We don't get here about any of his crimes. We just know that he's got these big henchmen, and that, and yeah. that she says he's 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 a nemesis. You know we get no. It, it's because we're so. I, I I don't know whether it's just me being frustrated that we that we we kind of uh, focus on Luke Wilson so much. You know, so we don't get any of this stuff, and it's just the nerd in me wants wants more geeky stuff. <laughs> but I don't think yeah. so. I think it's just that it just feels like it feels lazy. I think you nailed it with the whole. You know, it's it's made by people who don't know comic books, so they don't realize what people enjoy about comic books. So they just say, well, yeah, well, well, you know. I guess it's kind of like because it's that sort of this is just before superhero films are hitting you know kicking off in a big way it's all before Marvel and everything yeah and so you know at that point it's kind of like you know comic books comic book heroes still kind of you know kind of cheesy aren't they well they, yeah they, they're, they're uh, dealt it, with it, cheesy you're still at that stage where you've got things like uh, X-Men have come out and you know, everyone is still paranoid about we kind of have the people in tights thing because it because that's you know, you know, you know you don't want that stigma. So so therefore everyone's in the sort of leather cat suits and you're trying it hard to make it not like the comic, uh, it, yeah. you know, visually and put people off who don't like comic book stuff. You know, now we're in this whole different place because Marvel's changed the game. But yeah. what is that with a, a, a costume? It's sort of. I mean, she's got a cape. She's got this sort of G symbol. Sometimes she wears these sunglasses. It's all and and it's kind of mini skirt thing. I mean, I get that if you were going to say, okay. I mean, to be fair, some of the uh, some comic book superheroines, you know, their 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 costumes are a bit sort of male fantasy, aren't they? So you know, yeah. you know, they 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 they're kind of they're impractical. 
But there's nothing wrong with it. There's, there's nothing wrong. This is going to sound bad. I've already started talking about PJ Souls topless, and now I'm going to say, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with a, with a good leather cat suit. But there is nothing wrong with a good leather cat suit. There we go. I've said it. Um, but, but it, so, okay. So if you don't go with the sort of, you know, uh, skin tight um, sort of Supergirl. Uh, Wonder Woman thing where you're showing a lot of flesh. Okay, fine. So you can go with somewhere something a bit more practical, a bit more like a uh, you know a bit more something which would work in the real world. But they don't do that. You know how how is wearing a sort of a little kind of sort of kilt type skirt and uh, yeah, it just it it it, it looks it looks it looks thrown together well i think i think i think one of the reasons why the costume is like that is because of the gag halfway through the film where um she's always wanted to have sex while flying and so for to be able to do that in costume you would need something you know if she was wearing trousers or you know a longer skirt it would be very impractical and i think that's kind of what they did the design about that kind of way to sort of to sort of fit in this joke. It's not a good reason for a costume. Okay, and I don't yeah. know, but but it's it's what it feels like, you know. And and also, you know, the the costume kind of changes from time to time as well, depending yes. on what situation and stuff. So it's yeah, and I mean the whole thing with um, you know, because Luke Wilson, uh, you know thinks she's wearing a like a costume doesn't he like oh that's a nice g-girl costume <laughs> and but you don't ever see that you don't see yeah people i mean dressing up like a... luke luke wilson although you know i think you feel for his character a little bit because uh, because they paint her up as being such a psycho he yeah. also god he gets on your nerves a bit doesn't he um it's just yeah he's, he's so wet He's so wet and it's, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing where she's interested in because she he actually was a hero for her and because he runs after the guy who stole her, her purse. Yeah. And, of course, he's like, you know, you know, you punk, you asshole, you know, you better run. And, of course, the joke is the guy comes back and he says, what did you call me? <laughs> I'm like, for one, if you've just stolen something, you don't care what somebody's calling you. You just want to get out of there. <laughs> and two, <laughs> you know, it, it, Luke Wilson looks like a character who's probably been chased his whole life. So him running into a dumpster seems it, you just wouldn't do it. You just keep on running. You'd be like Forrest Gun, Gump, you know, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> so yeah, it just he's it, he's just not true to that character. You know, it's just of a convenience of well, I'm going to hide in this dumpster so we can do this joke where I get saved. You know, it, it's kind of like you could see somebody sort of going, right, well, we have to do this so this can happen. And then we have to do this so this can happen. And, and it just, you know, it, it feels like somebody's sort of, you know, it's just very sort of pedestrian plotting. Yeah. I mean, like, like I say, it, I, I didn't hate it as much as, as I thought I would, but it's, but it there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't really work. I, I, the romantic comedy stuff, it's broad, but you know you follow the beats along, and that's that's it's kind of okay. I mean, I like Anna Faris, um, 
and uh, you know I think she's she's fairly good value in this, even though she's her, her role's a bit thankless. Uh, well, I mean, she's she's kind of like you know she's if this was um, some kind of wonderful, then she'd be the well she is the best friend character, but that was kind of like that was what they were playing. You've got kind of Luke Wilson chasing after Uma Thurman's character a little bit, and but you've got his friend who he works with who clearly he has feelings for yeah sorry to invoke a better film but well you know <laughs> but the, the sad thing is this isn't even the worst superhero movie that Uma Thurman's been in <laughs> god what was the worst oh god yes yeah, sorry I was just gonna ask what's the worst film and then I realized yes freeze Yes, yes. Uh, let's let's, let's not uh, let's not unleash the cold puns just yet, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I I will sort of say again, sort of uh, Hollywood doesn't seem to know what to do with Eddie Izzard, do they? And they always kind of I don't know. It's not miscasting, but they don't use him very well. But the, but I the, mean, char- the character character thinking... is is you know as I was saying to do with this sort of problem with the with the superhero world building. They don't really ever get a hold on what he's supposed to be doing. He he has a fairly decent plan, which is to steal her powers and take them back for himself. Yeah. But you know that there's this idea that and, and you know the idea that the villain is actually sort of totally obsessed with you know in a sexual way the the super you know superhero is you know like it's not a new idea and it's clearly it's no. there is subtext in a lot of superhero movies if you want to look for it well it, it it's done in a way where they were kind of a couple back at high school they were like you know the outcasts and um you know they they he was getting somewhere with her you know the only reason why they the only reason why they were out there with the meteorite because they they actually were going to have like you know break their cherries or something like that but um, but once she gets her superpowers, because they do this whole transformation scene where her braces pop up and her boobs get more fur. I mean, what the? F- I understand, yes, that yeah. she's her skin becomes impenetrable, but what it has to do with boosting her boobs, I don't know. It's yeah, it's just another bad choice. Um, yeah, but he still he still loves her. He's still infatuated with her from, um, you know from when he was a kid to to now and it's kind of like his plan was that if he has the superpowers she will look up to him kind of thing i th- i think maybe the idea was that, is that you know that uh, that perhaps Reitman saw um his character you know him as being a, like an actor like uh, like a bill murray who'll come in as like a sort of comic dynamo who likes to improv and throw his own sort of riffs on things and will lift the material but it doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't no. work. It feels, it feels like, you know, like a bad mix here that the chemistry isn't right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I absolutely don't believe for a second that he, that, that, that he is in love with Emma Thurman, uh, with G-Girl. I, no. I don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean you, know, they, they, you know, it's okay, he's obsessed with her, she's obsessed with him, but is there love there? There is no love in this movie. No, that is true. Yeah, that is true. I mean, uh, the only people who sort of, you know, who seem to be in love was the Luke Wilson and Anna Faris characters, but everybody else, it's kind of like Luke Wilson was with Uma Thurman because 
he, you know, he just wanted to have sex, and also he was getting bad advice. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Luke Wilson has a crush on Anna Faris, and she's lovely, so you can kind of see the why. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's funny, Simon, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, it's not actually as bad as I'd heard, but the more we talk about it, the more I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, <laughs> this is a pretty sucky film. Um, so yeah. there we go. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I just why I say Hollywood doesn't know what quite to do with Eddie Izzard is the fact that um, he was in a, a film, you know, in two thousand, Mystery Men, and and even in that, he seemed to be not very well used. But then you're going up against um, Jeffrey Rush in that, who he just steals every scene he's in. Sadly, there are a long list of films where Eddie Izzard is you know is in and it doesn't quite work and you know yeah. I, I, i'm trying to you know things things like the avengers um oh, yeah. yeah but i don't think there was much that worked in avengers though no i mean he's good i mean he, he always he always seems to be fully it's not that he's he, he's just phoning it in he, he's always going for it full throttle but I think the only the yeah. only movie I could think of where I thought thought yes he absolutely nailed it was um, uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, that's right because he plays the lead char- the lead character in the film Nosferatu, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and I think because he's yeah. he is that sort of, he he's like a big character and he's supposed to be playing a silent he's playing a silent movie actor. So the fact that he is big and gestural it it works it fits. So yeah. Oh well, let's uh, let's leave that there then. Uh, my advice: if you've not seen this one, maybe give it a miss. <laughs> there's there's better superhero films out there. But um, so, Clive, what is your pick for movie hell? Okay, Simon, my pick for movie hell. Well, if you've you know if you're someone who's followed the career of Ivan Reitman, then you'll you'll know that uh, that you know scattered kind of fairly regularly amongst his filmography. He seems attached. To, he seems attracted, rather, to stories about mismatched duos uh, who get forced mm. together by circumstances. So, I mean, f- most famously, probably is twins. We've got Danny DeVito oh, and Arnie. Yeah. Uh, even in Kindergarten Cop, you get the, you have the two cop partners. You get where Arnie's forced together with, with Pamela Reed, and you know, and and you know, sort of shenanigans ensue there before he's before he's forced to go undercover. And then, and then, and then yeah. something like, and then Father's Day, where you got Billy Crystal and Robin Williams go on a road trip together to, you know, look for their someone who might be their son. Um, right. But I haven't picked any of those movies. I've, uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've uh, my pick is Six Days, Seven Nights, with the uh, with the wacky uh, uh, couple of Harrison Ford and Anne Hesh. Yes, aren't they wacky? That's right. She's she's uh... up, she's uptight. <laughs> he's laid back. She's neat. He's a slob. Wow. Just fly, is it yes. feel those sparks fly or not? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> if if you talk to talking about my super ex girlfriend, we there was no love in that film. There was certainly no love in this film. I mean, I do not believe for one second when those two get get it on together. You know, I I totally believe them getting on each other's nerves. Yes, that I believe. <laughs> then suddenly, Anne Hesh falling for Harrison Ford's charms. Mm, yeah, well, well, I think this is you know, this is one of those films where I think I think I need to sketch in the plot a little bit because it, it's it's become a bit of an obscure film. 
Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, if you, unless you're a hardcore sort of romantic comedy fan, uh, or you saw it at the time, it's not like when you're likely to sort of come across accidentally and think, oh, cool, this looks good. Um, it just sort of, it's just kind of gone away. Um, so sorry to bring those memories flooding back. <laughs> Damn you. So the, so the set, setup is uh, Anne Hesh plays Robin Munro, who is a, uh, who's a sort of uh, sub-editor of this uh, high, sort of high-fashion women's magazine. And she's, you know... She, you know, she's got a career all going on. She's she's the uh, she's basically the number two uh, person in in this magazine, working for Alison Jenny, uh, who whose credit I love. Her credit is Marjorie Robin's boss. Uh, well, it, it is it is it, it is on the IMDb. <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, I know. So, and you know IMDb, they never get no, anything. No, that's right. Always hundred percent correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so you know we see a professional set up, and then we see her. Uh, it, 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 see, it's her date night. She goes to meet up with uh, her boyfriend uh, Frank Martin, played by David Schwimmer, and uh, and 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 we see that he, you know, he's on the surface, he's like he's the perfect guy. You know, he's he's super romantic. You know, he's, he's he takes her to the, to the really nice restaurant. You know, he's complimenting her, and and he surprises her with uh, a holiday to the South Seas, a romantic getaway for Indeed. four. Uh, and this is, if you're playing that drinking game where you take a shot when someone mentions the title, this is when you sort of down that shot because he's taken away for <laughs> six days and seven nights. That's where they get the title from, folks. Um, so, yeah, and she's like, oh, I can't get away. I'm so busy, but but it's, it's fine. He's already cleared it with her boss because, so it can be this great surprise. So... Yeah, so with fairly minimal setup, we're we're off to the South Seas with our with our couple, and David David Schwimmer is such a kind of um, I mean this is this is kind of I mean this is ninety eight, so it's is this tail end of Friends or is this just post Friends? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought I think probably tail end. I think it's tail end. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a big Friends. For this um, uh, fan, so <laughs> I, 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 th- I think it's tail end, and he's, do, he's, you know, yeah. it, it, I think he's, he, he does a very good, he does a, a good job here of doing exactly what the script is demanding of him, which is to be so too good to be true, to be so kind of sort of sickly cloying, uh, it, 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 mm. it, it, that you're kind of like, Ugh, who's this guy? You know, he, he comes across a bit slimy. Um, so, so the fact yeah. that that she might, you know, who knows, find someone else, uh, it, it, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't feel too sorry for him. Um, uh, so yeah. Anyway, so they go off to this getaway. Everything looks good, and uh, you know, they're having a romantic time, and he proposes to her. Every well, yeah, this is great. You know, brilliant. Um, and uh, but. Uh, and she says yes, and it all it all looks good. Although you get the sense she doesn't really love him. It's just like, oh, this is this is the point in my life where I'm supposed to get engaged. It's like ticking off a list. Um, and then, uh, but then her boss phones. Oh, there's a there's a fashion shoot emergency, and uh, uh, and she's the only one who can help. Um, and she's like, no, no, I'm on holiday. There's no way I better fly back in time. And she's like, no, it's fine. I'll set it up so. 
we're having this fashion shoot in the sort of big island near you. Um, we'll fly, you know, you fly there, you do it all in it. You do it all in the morning, you come back, you know, it's all good, you know, and she's, and she basically gets talked into it. Um, and so she has to, uh, uh, so she has to go back to the, uh, to, to the, uh, to the honorary old, uh, pilots who flew them to the islands i sort of skipped over that part but harrison ford that's that's fine <laughs> yeah Har- harrison ford harrison ford is queen harris who's you know uh, you know he's he's a he's a he's a drinker he's a sort of old school kind of guy likes to, you know fixes the plane with his with his own two hands um you know sort of scruffy unshaven uh you know I don't think he's a nerf herder, but you know he is—he's scruffy, um, <laughs> and uh, and and so uh, so she basically bribes uh, bribes Harrison Ford to uh, uh, to take her back to the main island, even though he's uh, he, he, you know he, he'd sort of been settling down for a for a, a quiet fortnight away with his uh, with his current girlfriend uh, Angelica, who's a, a you know. Uh, sort of local uh, beauty uh, played by uh, Jacqueline uh, Obradors and uh, Very uh, good. <laughs> who, who's I mean it's about 30 years his junior um, and uh, yeah. so yeah he, he gets he gets bribed to take to take uh, Anne Hesh on this plane trip and it's like well okay that's like three months work you play me for there so fair enough but uh, but a, a, a storm comes up and shocking event uh you know they're forced down and they crash on this uh, on this deserted south sea island off the main shipping lanes and uh you know and and the the, the wheels are, uh, and the one of the wheel struts on his plane uh is, is broken so they can't take off so 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 that's kind of the setup really is you is you get them uh you know you get this sort of uh, you know the, these two uh, these two opposites are thrown together in this sort of uh, in in this in this situation where they have to survive together. Uh, uh, you know, and obviously they're getting on each other's nerves. And you know, th- you know, th- 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 there's there's like one nice comic bit where she doesn't like to fly, and so she's taking all these uh, sort of Xanax, I think it is, to sort of get over the flight. But she's taking too much, so she's all woozy and is not really sort of you know, helping when it, when he's trying to land the plane, cause he's all over the shop. Um, yeah. So the, the crash and then, you know, they, there's all this conflict and, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sort of cross cutting between, between them, between their incredibly predictable, this is how it's supposed to happen. Cause it's a romantic comedy uh, sort of bit where yeah. where they hate each other and they hate each other and then oh a great a growing affection the uh, blossoms, uh, which they don't really earn and we cut uh, cutting back to um, the, the the two that they left behind uh, her fiance Frank and uh, and and his girlfriend's uh, Angelica who to be fair you know even though she's painted as a pretty superficial character does seem to be genuinely worried when he doesn't come back so to to a point and then decides just to sleep with uh with david schwimmer's character yeah well you know it, it's it, it's it's what you do to sort of get solace isn't it apparently in the south seas it, i don't yeah. know it's yeah <laughs> yeah um that's it okay 
Right, this is where we start. So I think I've sketched in enough of the main plot, but because this is where we start to get to the the main problems with the film. I mean, it's not been fu- yeah. this hasn't been funny up until now, and and and, and the and you also have um, you know the the main sort of our main couple. You know, you don't immediately think, oh, look, there's sparks there. They're clearly supposed to be together. There's no chemistry. But no, none at all, and there's not much in the way of laughter either. I don't remember laughing at all. Hey, pro- you know, slight problem. Movies, the movie's called Six Days, Seven Nights. Um, you know, obviously, that's how long the holiday's booked for. But that, but you know, if you call yeah. your movie Six Days Seven Nights, it's kind of a promise to the audience as well. It's it's sort of implying that your movie will take place over that roughly that amount of time. Yeah, the main action of yeah. your film. Yeah. So, but that's a problem if you've got if you're going to strand two characters in the in it on like a deserted island because, well, there's not much dramatic tension there when we kind of know that they're going to get rescued or get out of it within that time. Yes, exactly. It'd be like Castaway being called, you know, one week. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? it, it would. He'd be like, he would have thrown the ball away. He would have, you know, he just sat there and and just waited for the rescue. Like, it, it would be a story of someone with a with a mental illness. You'd be like, what is wrong with this guy? He's talking to a he's talking to a uh, he's talking to, talking to like a basketball. And he's he's only been there like hours, and and he and he's just breaking yeah. down and sort of talking to this guy, uh, talking to this ball of Colin Wilson. No, that's not good. Um, yeah, so I think this is a problem. I think yeah, it's because it, you know they could have gone for the sort for that kind of castaway thing where they're forced together. You know, uh, they're forced to build yeah. stuff together and work together in order to survive. If the, but. But you know, but that takes a bit more time and patience, and this movie doesn't have that. No, it doesn't, and it, it doesn't, and it doesn't kind of believe in its own concept either, because then they have to throw in more tension by throwing in pirates. Well, th- yeah, this this is where we come to problem number two. You know, the island just isn't yeah. that dangerous. It seems to have plentiful food and fresh water. You know, it's like they, it's you know, if you're looking for sort of any kind of conflict here, it's not really helping, is it? I mean. You know, is it because, yeah, so, so what, so, uh, you know, the, the, this, this, the writers or whoever is responsible for this, you know, it's like, ah, what do we do? Ah, no, pirates. Yep. Um, So at which point we get uh, the random desperate inclusion of uh, a group of pirates led by Tamura Morrison. That's right, Django Fett. Django yes. Fett is, 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 comes in to uh, to uh, have a pop at Han Solo. Well, it's not just um, Django Fett. You've got uh, Machete as well. It's machete. Yeah, <laughs> he's in yeah. there as well as as an underling, which was yeah, kind of Danny weird. Trejo. And 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 of course uh, Cliff Curtis as well, who's really unrecognisable underneath all that hair. Yeah. Uh, so y- y- you get these pirates um, who are. Are they drug running? What are they doing there? Anyway, oh, but, yeah. but you know, uh, they are intrepid uh, couple, uh, Quinn and Robin. Uh, uh, you know, they're looking for help, and they think, "Oh, look, we see a sail," so they go out to sort of and investigate, and then they see the pirates killing someone, uh, and then the pirates see yeah. them, 
and then a chase ensues. That's it. And they get captured. Yeah. And then being the worst pirates ever, don't even think about sort of binding them or anything. And of course, they quickly get away. Yeah. I mean, again, no, no tension. No, no. no I mean, no. There's not much tension here. I mean, uh, there's more tension in the fact that uh, uh, you know, spoilers. David Schwimmer's character, uh, Frank, sleeps with Angelica. Um, you know, even though he didn't mean to, he just backed into it. <laughs> well, he just he just slipped and fell into it. You know, it happened. Which was kind of amusing. So there's more tension of like, yeah. well, if they ever get back, what's going to happen? Even though you kind of know because, yeah. Yes, you've seen this a hundred times before. Yeah, or the beats are so are so telegraphed in this movie. It, it makes it a, it mm. makes it a little bit of a it just you know a, a slog, a bit bland. You know, it's like I know this. I've been there before. Right. Well, when when I was watching this, this reminded me a lot of a TV movie I saw in the nineties, where you had um, two couples who were shipwrecked. So I think it was kind of a case of you had a couple who were living there already and then you have another couple come along from the big city and, you know, they spend time together waiting to be rescued. And, of course, then you learn that the the guy who's living there, uh, he used to be in finance and all this kind of stuff and he wanted to get out of the rat race and join, you know, and have a, a freer life like Harrison Ford's character. Uh, but yeah, I felt that that film did it a lot better in that whole sort of switching partners than this film did. Yeah. I mean, I, I was sort of, there are so many little bits in this that remind you of other better movies, you know? Yeah. I, I think Harrison Ford has really underrated kind of comedy chops and, uh, mm. and, and oh, yeah. you know, you see that particularly in the Indiana Jones movies, I think. And, and and that seems to be what they what they were going for is this sort of screwball comedy type, uh, you know, pairing, you know, with this uh, with this strong female character who will, who will push back at him. You know, the sort of Indian Marion uh, thing from Raiders. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it just it just never really convinces does it well no but I, but I think one of the other problems is I've never really been convinced by Anne Hesch I can't think of a film where I thought oh actually she was quite good in that I just I just kind of don't understand how you know she got the role she did well I mean th- th- this was probably at the time where, where you know she was sort of breaking through wasn't it I mean she uh, I mean it's I mean, I think, sorry, Donnie Brasco, maybe, uh, which is around this time is maybe, uh, you know, I, I must admit, I don't particularly remember her from that, but that, but she, she, she... No, well, she, she played the wife. And so I think every, yeah, every time she was sort of in it, she was kind of like arguing. But but it's that, th- it's that thing of, you know, she was, she was in a bunch of movies which did well, I think. Uh, and and yeah. so, you know, so she's in that, she's in Wag the Dog. Um, I I sort of liked her in I know what you did last summer, but you know that's that's by the by. I mean, she's in things yeah. like Volcano, uh, yeah. And then uh, you know, obviously after this, she she goes on to do uh, Psycho, the <laughs> oh, remake. God, yes. mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, Psycho, I, I still have not watched it, but I mean, I've seen the original Psycho, so obviously I've seen that version as well as it's a shot-for-shot remake, but just in colour. And, yeah, I, I've, I've not seen Rampart. She was in that, apparently. Um, I, I, I think I think she gives it the old college try, and I think there are, you know, a couple of scenes where, you know, she's sort of, you know, it will raise a sort of smile, but... but you just I don't know it's partly the sort of the lack of chemistry and partly just you know it's a character it feels like a movie movie character it's another it's another film like like the one we just talked about where everyone has has very Hollywood jobs Uh, and so it makes it sort of uh, you know and that could work if it's like okay then you know sort of she's she's taken out of this sort of artificial airless you know world but the movie doesn't have enough guts to sort of you know it, it's it's sort of it, it tries to play both sides you know it's saying oh no no you know but this is a tough job she's doing and i'm sure it is being a tough job in the actual world of running a, a, mag- a magazine but not in the movie world here it looks very much like uh, you know just having to put up with a slightly neurotic boss and making a lot of phone calls, you know. I think also the other problem is is that Harrison Ford's character is um, he can do anything, you know. It, it's kind of like you don't worry at all because you know he can, you know, build a shelter, capture food. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know. That, that, that's true. He, he he is a bit of a Mary Sue. I mean, the, the only kind of uh, but I mean his flaw is that he likes to drink a little bit too much. But, but but they don't really you know yeah. they basically just have that one so they can have that one scene where he where he gets to play drunk, which is not his best scene. Um, no. No, but I I think playing drunk there's a real art to it because I think a lot of actors don't do it very well. I mean it, it's not like the Richard E. Grant of drunk acting. No, I mean going back to a film we we just mentioned, I I, th- I, I think you mm. know. The, the the scene where where, where Marion uh, uh, Marion is very good at playing drunk, you know, uh, it, yeah, and and that's kind of a nice bit of meta because obviously you have got the actress playing drunk, but then the character is also pretending to be drunker than she is, but you know, yeah. You, uh, yeah. which is awesome, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I I I did love the fact that um, I could geek out about Raiders for a little bit because it's a lot better than this film. Well, yes, yeah, you know, Karen Karen Allen's just awesome. Yeah, but the bit where Marion's plan to outdrink Belloc yes. in the tent is scuppered because it, the wine they're drinking is um, Blaylock's family, you know, wine. So he'd grown up drinking it. So he had like a higher tolerance for it than she. No, did. no, but uh, well, not, no, but she, she was faking it, wasn't she? And she was a bit, but um, you know, but. It, it was kind of funny that he was her plan was to outdrink him, and she probably thought it wouldn't take so long. This is true, yeah. <laughs> you know, by this point, Indy's lifted the the ark, has, has sort of discovered the well of souls, uncovered the entrance, gone down there, and got the ark, and he's about lifting it up. <laughs> you know, that takes a while. That's a couple of hours of of, of hard drinking going on there. Well, you know. She, I, I don't. I don't think she's two-faced because she's used to. She's used to drinking no, no, no. against you know guys in the him, in the Himalayas who've you know uh, who've right, yeah. been on the fermented uh, fermented yaks milk all day. You know, so yeah. 
yeah yeah but um yeah yeah uh so uh our recommendation go and see a good harrison ford film like raiders of the lost ark and give this one a miss yes though i will say he wasn't doing his um kind of gruff mumbly i don't give a damn anymore no i mean uh, if i'm gonna say what, what, if i'm gonna sort of give this film like uh, uh one compliment it's it's that I like that they didn't. They don't try and pretend that Harrison's uh, Harrison's still in his forties here. You know, he he admits yeah. to Anne Hesh that he's you know he's he's a, he's in his fifties, and they you know they don't try and hide the fact that there's an age gap between them. Uh, what they you know I yeah. think, but the fact that his girlfriend is actually younger than her makes her seem a more appropriate partner for him, even though she's still what yeah. twenty years younger. Plus, you know, um, it's. You know, I mean, it's not helped that he's that he's got like maybe the one of the worst haircuts in any of his films. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's like, but 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 then you know, after you've been in presumed innocent playing Rusty Savage, which is which is a great yeah. character name, uh, and oh, it's a great film. You know, with that haircut, it, it's like you can do anything with your hair after that, right? Because it's never going to be that bad again. Because uh, my God, what they, you know, what what they did to his hair in that film was it's just it's it's just what you what you don't want, I think, as a viewer, is just to be distracted by what you don't want to be thinking like what the what the hell is that on his head? Uh, you know, that's you don't want things that will take you out of the movie. You know, costuming choice. You know, like whether it's a costuming choice or a hair choice or a makeup choice, whatever it is, you don't want to be like. What are they? What is that on there? What are they doing? You know that that's that's not. Yeah, it, it's like Nicolas Cage. It's like Nicolas Cage in his later films. It's watching <laughs> that hairline recede, and yet he's somehow trying to make it look like it's not receding. It's just it always comes off bad and and distracting. I mean, the thing with Six Days and Seven Nights is again going back to what we said about Ivan Reitman is that he's he's a very competent director. You know, he works with he work, clearly works with good technicians and so on because it's not a bad you know it, it, it's not a badly cut together movie. It's just very bland and it, yeah. it's incredibly yeah. weak beer. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it, there you know he, he he started making less and less movies as a director in the nineties, but you know you but uh, you know I, I would easily recommend like a uh, uh, you know like a movie like Dave or Kindergarten Cop over this, you know. Oh uh, yeah, and I, I even his follow-up film to this Evolution. Evolution's much better film than Oh this yes. Is. I mean, it, it, even if there is a sense of they're trying to do Ghostbusters again, it's still a fun film, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just I, I watched it over Christmas and you know, thoroughly enjoyed it and the whole I love the whole thing with the um head and shoulders advert at the end. <laughs> You know, they defeat the they defeat the creature with head and shoulders. No, I mean it's <clears throat> it seems to be a lot more more joyous than Six Days Seven Nights. But then, as I say, after that, the after Evolution, the films do get very kind of pedestrian. So because we get things like you know My Super Ex Girlfriend and No Strings Attached and I mean Day. I have to say though I watched uh, you know I, I I watched No Strings Attached. You know, it's preparation for this, and I laughed more than I thought I would. It is, it's very predict, it's very oh, okay. predictable, and um, you know, 
and it's and it wasn't helped by the fact that there was uh you know there was another film with almost exactly the same high concept came out about the same time you know called like friends with benefits you know um and natalie portman i don't think is a natural comic talent but she is you know but she she's not bad in the movie um so yeah, it, it, I laughed more than I thought I would in that one, and and I have to say, I, I have okay. to say that despite it being in a massive propaganda piece for the NFL, I I I, I really liked I really liked Draft Day. Um, you know, I, okay. I, I I think the drama works. I think Kevin Costner's very good in it. I am an NF, I am a, a Raiders fan, but uh, uh, okay. you know, so uh, so there was a certain amount of me that's kind of that appreciates you know the drama of Draft Day anyway. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, but it's not kind of the same level as like say um, like Twins or Kindergarten Cop, Dave. You know. No. Uh, I mean, uh, Legal Eagles is a film I'd hold quite high as well. I really enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Deborah Winger is is on top form in that. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a shame uh, because he seems uh, I'm right, Miss. He's less interested in directing now, um, and. I think I think there's also a sense that there's been a there's been a bit of a sea change in Hollywood in terms of the kind of comedies that get made, and his sort of stock yeah. trade, which yeah. was the sort of high concept, uh, high budget, or or actually no more mid budget studio comedy, has kind of gone away to a degree. So yeah, I think that's maybe the, that's yeah. part of it, you know. Um, so uh, you know, I hope we see more Ivan Reitman films. Um, it, uh, it has been announced yeah. that he's the director of Triplets, which is the sequel to Twins. Yeah, which might be good, but um, I, I have to say, um, Arnie's um, batting average since coming out of retirement has been terrible. Yeah, I mean, not even Terminator could say. Well, that. I mean, isn't the idea in this that Eddie Murphy would be their third, would be the third of the three, right? I believe so. Yes. And you know Eddie Murphy's made a has made good films recently as well, hasn't he? So my question to you is: Wasn't the idea originally that Eddie Murphy was going to play the Ernie Hudson part in Ghostbusters? Um, yeah, but that was back in uh, when John Belushi was involved. Oh, okay, so this um, wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like no. he was attached and then it, you know he dropped out at the last minute because he became too big a name or anything. No, oh, okay. no, no. It was it was originally when it was John Belushi was attached. Uh, I don't know why he sort of was dropped out of it or wasn't included. I don't know, but um, I think he would have overshadowed things if he had been in that part because you know his star was rising at that point. In one way, I'd be really fascinated to, to you know to have seen a movie where you mm. had that you know that the sort of very different comic styles of you know uh, of of a uh, you know of a bill murray and an eddie murphy in that same movie and yeah that like i mean you know but maybe it, it would have like i it would have been like you know adding another sort of spice to the to the recipe it would have been too much and ruined it but yeah, I mean, it's like um, the Rick Moranis role actually was um, offered to John Candy. And uh, he wanted to do it, but he 
his ideas for the character was just really out there. He wanted to play him as a German with a dog and everything. And Ivan Reitman thought, well, it's a bit too much. Assuming we've got these, you know, hellhounds in it and stuff, you know, another dog might be just confusing and that's not what they want to do with the character. And of course, Rick Moranis, I mean, he certainly nails it in that first film. He does, yeah. Yeah. Let me in! <laughs> He's such a dweeb. <laughs> but bless his heart, he's always try- I mean, he's always trying to get with um, Sigourney Weaver, and well, he does <laughs> in a supernatural way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's not yeah let's let's not think too much about about, about that picture. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it can't be worse than the picture you painted as Keith as the gatekeeper. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you know you've got to put that in people's heads again. Uh. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> well, you know what they say: sharing is caring, <laughs> but not in this case. No, th- 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 there is no uh... Keith, only Zool. Yes. <laughs> Hence, why he couldn't really make. That's it right. He was busy levitating <laughs> like four feet off his bed. Um, yeah, his, his hair growling and barking. You see his hair; it's crazy, <laughs> sticking out all over the shop. It is indeed. So yeah, uh, so you know, I'd like to send out my uh, you know best wishes to Keith. I hope he's feeling better for the next you know for the next podcast, and uh, you know, um, yeah, he's hoping that that whole thing with goes of the Gozerian goes well. Yes, that's it. Oh, well, I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, Clive, how can we uh, find your work? Well, Simon, um, you can, uh, if you want to hear more of me uh, rambling about film, you can uh, listen to uh, my weekly podcast, The A to Z of SFF. Where together with my co-host uh, Rob Wickings, we uh, our future selves uh, get together and talk about uh, uh, science, uh, science fiction and fantasy uh, classic each week, whether that be in the realm of movies, TV, or literature. Well, I, I'm cer- I'm certainly looking forward to your Ghostbusters episode in 2020. Well, so am I. You know, um, <laughs> uh, so so am I. Uh, uh, yes, the, the joke there being we are going from strict A to Z orders, but we're still on the A's, and we've been go and we've been in space for about a year. So there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's where you can that's where you can uh, find me podcast wise. And if you're interested in in my work as a filmmaker, then it's uh, just look up Clive Ashenden on Vimeo. And uh, you can find my work as always at independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Mixcloud, and on YouTube. Uh, please follow us on Facebook and um, and Twitter. Just search uh, Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And uh, just want to quickly say thank you. We've been getting more reviews in and more star ratings on iTunes, which is Brilliant. great. It helps the show. So, so please keep up the good work. Please give us more reviews and more star ratings, and uh, that just helps us to get out there. Join us next time for uh, for the next letter in the A to Z of uh, of directors. <laughs> well, uh, thanks very much for having me, Simon. Yeah, you've, well, thank you for stepping in. Mm-hmm.